You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 368, our top three reasons for ending relationships, uh-oh, Premier League predictions for the new season, and would you sit next to a homeless person in a pub? It's all coming up after Dodgy and staying out for the summer. In those mystical days of Britpop, uh, this single hovered around uh, the UK charts for about a year, number 38 in 1994. Mm. Then a remix made it to number 19 in 1995. Mm. Dodgy and staying out for the summer. I like that a great deal. But then I have a lot of patience for a sort of a lower tier Britpop, so I would, wouldn't I? I love the bonkers guitar break right at the end it's yeah like, it's really bizarre isn't it's it? really strange it just comes from nowhere it's like Hendrix or Clapton just popped into the studio for about 10 seconds and then went away again uh, clearly the guitarists have been asking to do that for some time and eventually they went oh for god's sake go on then <laughs> I suppose so yeah. <laughs> um, welcome to the podcast 
from the parish council. Mm. It's episode 368. I'm Terence Stackham, and she's been staying out for the summer. Um, in fact, just back from a weekend somewhere up north, it's Juliet Harris. Thank you very much. Hello. Yes, I've been in the... Well, they're not so frozen north, actually. Mm. I, I've, I've been gadding about here and there in York and Leeds and had a very nice time. Thank you very much, citizens of, of uh, North Yorkshire, for being so nice to me. Hello. Yeah, York is a is a lovely city. It really is. It's grand. When I was uh, when I was very young, I was rather intrigued by what was called the problem pages in my mother's mm. weekly magazines, um, like Woman's Own and Woman's Realm. Uh, mm. people, people would write in and ask for advice for any number of relationship issues, most of which I didn't understand, as they were written in a sort of 1970s code so that innocent young boys like me couldn't figure out what they were talking about. <laughs> terms like necking and petting. I didn't know what they were. I had no idea what all this was I mean, was I'm about. not sure I do now, but anyway, let's move on. <laughs> well, such confusion, like you, you see, such confusion has followed me into adulthood where I must have the worst relationship record of any man in England. Um, I'm not sure if I've learned from my mistakes, but I now I now I now try very hard not to call time on relationships for tiny petty reasons, which I've certainly done in the past. And I'm nominating my top three <laughs> reasons for me ending a relationship. Um, actually, starting with a pretty reasonable, reasonably okay, understandable. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm less stressed now. You're saying mm. this, so that's good. The other two are, 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 don't put me in a very good light, but this, this one I think is reasonable. <laughs> I mean, um, have any, has anything that we've ever said on this podcast no, put either of us in a good light? No, I not fear really. not. No, yeah, you're right. And uh, when I get to number one, it was just ludicrously petty. But anyway, in at number three, mm. this was as recent as about five years ago. Introduced by mutual friends, um, she'd recently separated from her husband of about. 20 years and she said she was over it but she still carried a lot of anger about oh his dear okay yes so she never stopped talking about him this became incredible it became incredibly tedious because mm. every single conversation would lead her to talking about her ex-husband so we might have been at a pub and i'd say oh i, I think i'll have a diet coke and she would say <laughs> oh i remember a day when my husband had a diet coke and and this happened and uh, we we might drive through hammersmith say and she'd say mm. oh that's the place over there where my husband got drunk and needed an ambulance every conversation i, I was like her therapist so it had to mm -hmm. end shortly after it had begun so i think that's 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 relatively reasonable i'm, I'm reading yeah, up yeah, to i, I don't have any issues mm. with that now, number two on the speedily abandoned relationship chart was much longer ago. It was in the 1990s. Mm. Looking back, she probably, certainly, I think, had some sort of OCD issues. But that wasn't really a widely known topic at the time. But right. As reasons for ending a relationship, I was too judgmental and too quick uh, to call it a day. But it was weird. Now, firstly, she had this issue with custard. Right. Um, you couldn't. I'm already concerned. I must admit. You couldn't mention the name custard. You couldn't say the word custard, or she would get anxious. And if she saw anyone eating custard in a restaurant, she either had to close her eyes until it was gone, or in extreme cases, leave the <laughs> restaurant altogether. What? What was the issue here? Were, were you well, ever given a reason? I never really found out. We 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 actually had to <laughs> because that's the first thing I'd ask. I've no. got to be honest. I, it's, funnily enough, it didn't actually occur to me to ask. Perhaps I should have done. Maybe I'll get back in touch with her to resolve this. We, we had to do we had to leave a restaurant. We were in America, 
and it was mm. very difficult to explain to yes. the waiter. So I've, I've just processed that you want to get back in touch with her to ask. <laughs> yes, I'm sure she'd be thrilled to hear from you after all this time to ask answer why she's got what is clearly quite a deep psychological problem about custard. Yeah, perhaps you're right. Yes, yeah, so I had to say. To if, the... Yeah, if you're listening, former Miss <laughs> Terence, please do get in touch. Yeah, it was weird saying to the waiter, "I'm oh, sorry, we're just going to go outside for a minute. It's the <laughs> custard, you see." <laughs> then, um, perhaps you'll understand why I didn't particularly focus on the custard because there was a range of these things. There was, she had an obsession about what she called loose hair, and that is a stray <laughs> hair <laughs> that you might. Oh, see. <laughs> you've really missed out there, Terence. She sounds amazing. A real, she was a real keeper. Um, <laughs> like on the headrest of a chair or a cushion on a sofa. But worst of all, if she st- saw a stray hair on a pillow, she would freak out and she would start shouting, Loose hair! Loose hair! And Oh, um, wow. Maybe she was trying to have some sort of hit single. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, equilibrium would only be restored once I sort of could emphatically show the hair was now in the bin and nowhere to be seen on a pillow. <laughs> but speaking of bed... bed Room routines, but don't worry, don't worry. This is this is perfectly okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is the most stressful podcast <laughs> in living memory. Frankly, uh, my knuckles are sort of white from gripping the table. It's it's, it's kind of therapy for me, really. She... Well, yes, and it, it, I, I look forward to receiving my thirty pounds plus VAT <laughs> in the post at the end of the end of the evening. In the bedroom, she also had this fixation with bare feet, in the sense that w- when you're going to bed, you weren't allowed to walk in bare feet in the bedroom <laughs> before getting into bed in case you brought anything off the floor into bed loose well, loose she, well hair, she's probably. clearly got some some ocd type thing hasn't she really? though i don't I'm, I'm struggling to work out where the custard fits into this maybe she would once serve custard in a restaurant that had a loose hair in it could be it but if she caught me in bare feet trying to get into bed um and I, I, I'd walked across the floor. I had to go to the bathroom, shower my feet, and then come back to bed wearing trainers or shoes, sit on the bed to take them off, ensuring my feet didn't touch the floor first. So, How long did this last, this um, relationship? About 18 months to two years. I mean, and was it this bad all the way along? Oh, yes. Oh yes. You, yeah. you, I have to say, I think you've got a a, a worryingly high tolerance threshold here. <laughs> she was quite charming, apart from all this. It's going to say, apart from the relatively small things of you know, of 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 those. Well, you know, it, was it nice to eat custard again once she'd split up? It was. It was. Do you know? It was wonderful <laughs> to go into a pub in the wintertime. And they might say, "Oh, you know, we've got apple crumble and custard," and to be able to order it and, and eat it without, <laughs> you know, feeling that someone was going to faint at any moment it was quite a relief yeah, the relationship uh, the, the, just... what freedom for you the Nelson Mandela of the dessert world it, 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 yeah, it just didn't survive the custard and the, the loose hair thing but you know have you got any uh, feelings about the, the way that we end relationships well I do I do have a well I have an excellent sort of article here so so I, there's a sensible article that I've looked up which is <laughs> sort God. of um, the top, I know exactly and this is unusual for us saying yeah. the top 10 break up basically the top 10 reasons for why people break up and they are things like they're just in different places in their lives or or you know that one wants children and one doesn't that sort of thing and i got into or, or someone's cheated on someone else or they a weight gain is one of them brilliantly which uh, which is is you know perhaps a bit much weight gain laziness and too clingy being uh, there must be some combo of all of those i don't know but um i i'm quite a fan of this frequently quite old website called Clickhole, um, which is 
written by someone who's quite possibly deranged i think it's 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 sort of like the onion or it's on that sort of stable of spoof websites of the onion or that kind of the reductress except even more kind of crazy the click hole seven signs a relationship is almost over are you heading towards a breakout look out for these warning signs one when you try to hold hands your fingers shoot everywhere no more romantic strolls walking hand in hand if even the tightest touch causes your fingers to spray across the floor there's reason to be concerned two you don't breathe into each other's noses anymore three constant arguments over the supreme court case of kilo versus the city of new london Uh, Four, instead of saying I love you, you tell each other, be gone, foul imp. Um, Five, the government cancelled Valentine's Day because the two of you are dating. (laughs) Six, your mother's face is on the front of their head and your father's face is on the back of their head. And the explanation for this is sometimes you can make it work with someone who has the face of one of your parents, but both faces is hard to put up with. And seven, the relationship hourglass is almost out of sand. Remember, you have to break up as soon as there's no more sand left, which is in its way quite profound. So I I'm I'm going to use the click hold guide to my uh, my future relationships. Also, I've consulted Chandler Bing from Friends. <laughs> very very wise for his, um, choice. For yes. his, his his advice for breaking up with people, um, he he used to advise people that he was breaking up with that he was moving to Yemen using the address <laughs> 15 Yemen Road, Yemen. Um, also, he said the the these steps will get you started on the on the non-Yemen remote, remote recovery. Um, sweatpants. Um, so you put on sweatpants all the time you get drunk and you go to a strip club um, you picture yourself with other people um, you uh, you don't have any relationship ever just encounters with strippers and eventually you uh, you accept things and uh, in, in the words of a chanter don't worry there are plenty of girls just waiting to screw me over so uh, so so yeah I'm quite a fan of the click hole a chanter mm. sort of uh, sort of thing I you know to be honest I, I bizarrely I'm not usually the one that breaks up with people um usually they break up with me which perhaps says terrible things about my life but anyway or maybe terrible things about the people that i choose to go out with which i feel is more accurate um but um i you know it's it's amazing how small things can irritate you about people people that can't pronounce words properly i I, and actually i find myself in in similarity with chandler bing here who allegedly in the program his character breaks up with a woman because she pronounced it supposedly Oh, I don't. And I yeah, probably that's would fine. as well. Yeah, actually, I I'll would. Oh, if I if I went out with someone who said, "Well, I'd like to refer to this specifically." Um, you know, that, that uh, yeah, would, absolutely. Oh, I have had a few dates with people that have not gone anywhere because, um, well, there was the kite surfer who. Who, well, because she was because she was into kite surfing, she used to wear wetsuits all the time. How can I put this, Terence? She smelled of mould. Oh, I, I, it was no. not good. Oh, no, I, not good. I did not want to do that again. That was not good. No. Also, recently, um, I realised I might it, it went on. You know, spend a little bit of time with someone who was very nice, and you know, we probably might meet up again on a friendly basis in mm. future. But um, she had a problem with using me uh, with me using a word which um, is used to describe excrement. That Ryan, that, that sort of is an augmented version of the word hit. Yeah. And as my friend, and, and, and you know, did not reply to a text message for four days because I'd used this word. Oh, and uh, yeah, I, I know. And uh, apparently just had an issue with the word. And as a, my, a dear friend of mine put it, how can I put this if someone said that to me? It would indicate um, some compatibility issues. And so so I have been very much, given that a few days later I went around to see my dad, who 
my dad loves toilet humour and he repeated a joke he'd seen in a Scottish Scottish sitcom about someone having been unwell in their truser and uh, and he managed to get himself into such such hysterics just by the thought <laughs> of this joke that I thought you know I'm very much on my dad's my dad's wavelength here regarding jokes about toilet humour rather than this so in a way you know when life when life gives you toilet humour um, make make everlasting family relationships yes I should stress as well like you I've almost always um, been the uh, the broken up person rather than the breaker up. <laughs> the breaky rather than I've the I've been the breaky, yes. yeah, yeah. But I, so I, you know, I I pick these from uh, a list of when I have been the the the, uh, the breaker upper. Number one though of all time in my shameful list of mm-hmm. reasons to end a relationship is about fifteen years ago, and this was me at my worst. I think a perfectly nice woman, mm. um, attractive, kind-hearted, uh, cared about me, but it was her laugh. It's very similar to oh, you no. words. Yeah. I couldn't bear her laugh. It's hard to replicate it, but the best way to describe her laugh would be to say it was like a motorbike with a faulty silencer. Um, <laughs> you know, her, no, her laugh could clear a room. I mean, I, honestly, if she stood on the cliffs at Lyme Regis and laughed, she could keep <laughs> all the ships away from the rocks. It was just terrible. And it got to the point when we were out that I would try hard not to be amusing in case she laughed and the entire pub or restaurant would turn around to see who... Oh, brought, no. You know, I mean, I mean, how, how easy did you find that is a question that I will ask on behalf of our listenership. I, it, it really... <laughs> uh, over, yeah, over a period of time, it really... I just thought, well, I tried to, you know, to keep it going. I mean, try not to be funny. How easy did you find it to not be funny? What, what? How? How not to laugh at her laugh? You mean? Oh, how not? How not to be amusing when we yeah, were out? Yeah, how not to make oh, her laugh? That was, was that, very was that hard, hard for you? Very hard because I would think of a, you know, an amusing line or something would come up through the evening or I'd see something that I think would be funny and I'd have to sort of bite my tongue and not refer oh, to it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be like this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your curse of being such a comedy icon, Terence. Clearly, it, it nearly took the roof off when you. I just thought, I, you see, I just thought to myself, I can't imagine going through uh, listening the rest to that. of your life, of yeah. So, you know, this was the relationship went the same way as so many others. It, 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 this time for the excessive laugh, but I think it's fair. But it does seem, <laughs> it, it did seem, you know, I do think it's rather petty of me to end a relationship for for just because of someone's laugh. I mean, well, I possibly, lived possibly. With it. She it... could probably have said, oh, "Oh, but what about you?" And probably have come up with a list of yeah, uh, you 10 weren't or even, 20. you weren't even very funny. I was yeah. pretending to laugh at your terrible jokes, etc. Maybe it was a fake laugh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming next. Oh, mm. no. It's our premiere... Premier League predictions. Ah, uh, but I'm totally up for this. I don't see what the problem is. It's going to be fine. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> right after this... Actually, this great tra- uh, track chosen by Juliet. It has a horn section of which Earth, Wind and Fire would be proud. It's Ibibio Sound Machine. Oh 
say I had a little disco on my train when listening to this earlier on today. What a great tune. Um, this That was um, the terrific, um, I never know how to pronounce it. It's, I, I, it's Ibibio because I Ibibio. checked today. Yeah, right, I checked. See, it's almost like we researched this, isn't it? Really, it's the it's the, the Abibio sound machine. Um, she's uh, it's, it's mostly the brainchild of one particular lady, I think. But she's had um, she's had a few albums. But this is from I'm just uh, it it literally I had it up on my phone. And it's just gone mm. pop. So let's try and find it now. Um, she uh, she's had a few albums out, but this album came out um, I believe in 2016. But I'm just as they say mm. fact checking that. Um, it's uh, so the album is called. It's self-titled. It's it's Ibibio Sound Machine. You see, I can do that now. And <laughs> uh, and that tune was called The Talking Fish. And the album came out in 2014. But um, I love this description here. Uh, channeling music through the rainbow prism of her Nigerian heritage, Ibibio Sound Machine's Eno uh, Williams shows off a mind-blowing amalgam of influences on her debut. She evokes thousands of years of history on traditionally inspired songs like Ibibio Spiritual, calls to mind both 70s funk and. Sl- Euro disco on horn backed tracks like the tortoise and modernizes old store and Nigerian high life on the kinetic I'm running. Other cuts like the ethereal voice of the bird sound almost futuristic, making her a rare bird indeed. Yes, it's a really lovely album. I would recommend that people dig it out. Um, there's lots of animals on it, like I say, like tortoise and peacock and fish and bird and all sorts of things. So it's a it's a sunny little little album, I think. So uh, so we did like to bring the sunshine into people's lives where we can around these parts. I was intrigued by the Ibibio uh, word, so I checked it out, and it's a, a Nigerian dialect. Oh, um, okay. That her mother that relates makes sense. to her mother, yeah. But as you say, we have a wonderful fusion of Afrobeat, drum, bass, and those the lovely vocals you say, Eno mm-hmm. uh, Williams. Um, our track record for predicting the outcome of sporting events, specifically football, is very consistent consistently bad i mean it is it is consistently atrocious isn't it really yeah, i mean just... you can bet against what we say is going to happen usually yes exactly so so i i don't hold out much hope for the accuracy of our predictions for the upcoming premier league season which kicked off in the weekend we record this uh, mm-hmm. i do think though uh, jules i think this is the hardest a year for predictions ever since we started doing absolutely this. i could just you know throw a load of stuff up in the air frankly really because essentially there are six teams battling for the top four places in european uh, champions league qualification and then there's mm-hmm. a decent case for the remaining 14 teams to be swept up in a relegation battle yeah um, but let's have a go at it as we did last year uh, let's predict first who will join the premiership next year as top of the championship which team will win the championship jewels i think middlesbrough will oh i say okay middles I mean, any gap here listener and jewels is because he's down. writing it down yeah. i just i just think i mean we this is a slight i mean they've played three games already so this is slight and it's sort of slight slight bias in a way but i think they look really good this year and they um they they seem to be able to um attract good players and i you know i i i have faith in them i think that i think the championship will be quite close this year mm. but um i you know i just i like the look of them i think they look sharp i'm picking the same team that we both picked last year which was aston villa mm. because they came so close to promotion last year just missing out in their playoff at, at wembley from going up um they know what to do now the only negative might be that last year's effort took a lot out of them but i'm sticking with villa and i think leeds finally might also make mm. it after years yes i would i would say that leeds would probably go up automatically as well but I, yeah. i'm gonna stick with my prediction okay um now back to the premiership last mm. year the first managerial 
Imperial sacking happened after only four games. Um, mm. It gets crazier by the year. But this year, who will be the first Premiership manager to be shown the door marked exit? Well, I'm going to say something incredibly controversial Mm. here, but I just think that this has been an accident waiting to happen for ages, and I'm going to put my cards on the table that say that I think the first manager that will be sacked will be Jose Mourinho. You think so, do you? I do. I don't think, although they've they've had a very good, you know, they they won their opening game. I it, it. He's he's on he a mission. He's the epitome, epitome of misery at the moment. He's on the he's on the he's on a mission to get sacked. I think mm. and it'll be interesting to see. It's what well, he's always like this in the third season, isn't he? And I and yeah, I think yeah. I think that he might I think that he might push him to the edge. If I was them, I'd sack him. What is the mm. point of having him there at the moment? He's not really doesn't seem to be enthusing anybody very much. I, I, I totally agree with you, and I, I think that's a really good, strong bet. In fact, if betting companies are offering good odds on that, I think that's a decent. Tip. I mean, it might be that it doesn't happen because mm. Manchester United do well enough for a while, and yeah. they don't. They don't. Mm. You know, it's not a Moyes situation where they lose continually or anything like that. But you know, stranger things have happened, and he is quite volatile. I'm going with one of the most unlikable fellows in football management. Mm. Which are many, to be fair. That's quite quite a... It's a long list. So to come number one of the Mm. most unlikable, you know, you've got to be pretty much um, this fellow, a dinosaur example, outdated, that sweary, Mm. aggressive style of management. First managerial casualty. No tears shed for me if it's Neil Warnock. Yes, I hope it is, actually, to be fair. I don't like him very much. I don't know. A season of his touchline antics and his sort of passive aggressive responses responses to reporters and journalists too much to bear so no um, i'm not i'm not a fan no. and um yeah he's um he's he's nicknamed colin in the mm, business because you indeed. can you can make his name into a certain anagram have, he, he managed qpr and i have no mm. good memories memories of him from that so no not a fan no very unlikable as i mentioned earlier there's a the solid argument that the relegation battle is going to be more intense than ever with almost any number of teams being mm. but which teams will go through the trapdoor jewels um i think um well you you bring up neil warnock i think mm. cardiff will go down yeah I don't. I can't see them hanging about personally. Um, I think that if well, th- this is a slightly contingent one, mm. but I will stick with this nonetheless. If Rafa goes, I think Newcastle are done. Oh, of course, yes, he may well yeah. have yeah. seen enough with the lack of investment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Choice, yeah. So I, I think that seems sensible. And also, I'm afraid to say this because I really do like them, but I, I, I think it might be a bit beyond Fulham to stay up. Right. Okay. Um, well, last year we were we were very close in our choices, but this year we, we, I've only got one on par with you. Because oh, okay, because we did quite well on our relegation predictions last we, year. We I did. Think. I yeah. It was the only area in which we almost covered ourselves in glory. I spent ages. Uh, well, actually, I felt a degree of certainty about the bottom two. I too, I've got Cardiff as rock bottom. Mm-hmm. They they seem to have very little merit at all, mm. and um, you know that that's that's mm. the end of them. I think. Time may be up, and I say this with sadness, mm. for, for Brighton. Oh, I'm sorry um, that you think that. Yeah, well, they, they've overperformed, but they don't have any real stars to help them turn it round. And I think, you know, they, they, they don't look like... You go through their side and they don't look like they've got the, the players to... to um, Pull them, pull them up. Mm. It, it re- I think it really depends on whether other teams turn out to be worse than them rather yeah, than possibly, their issue. Yeah. Third bottom, I could, I 
could make a case for Southampton or Palace, mm. but I've opted for Huddersfield because uh, like yes. Brighton, they overperformed last year, don't have any sort of depth, and they were abysmal against Chelsea mm. uh, yesterday mm. as well. Um, so I think the game's game's up for Huddersfield. So yeah, we've got I Cardiff mean, in common, but yeah, I think I think actually I would probably put Brighton and Huddersfield as 16th and 17th. Actually, I I, I have appalling local bias with Brighton, so I can't mm. possibly think badly of them. But I did um and ah about Huddersfield, and I thought they would do just about enough. So um, well, I put so a little I, note that you've got them as you know the next there or thereabouts. Two. Yeah. And I love Chris Hughton, as I've said before, he's my favourite manager. Uh, in in football, and I, I hope he's great. I'm wrong. I have a lot of yeah. time for him. Yeah. On a cheerier note, then, which is to be your surprise team of 28-19, the side that delivers beyond expectations. Well, they have just been brought up actually by you, so so in passing. So it'd be interested to see. I think Crystal Palace are worth a look this oh. season. Okay, um, because they managed to hang on to Wilfred Zahar. They have, the which I think is Im- is I think is important, and also I think that that dear old boy, uh, although he mm. was appalling at England and did not come across very well in that documentary in the summer, it has to be yeah. said. Um, I think he's very good at certain things, and I think that the players at Palace seem to be responding quite well to him. And who knows? But I don't think they'll be top four, so I don't think that much they're that mm. much of a surprise package. But I think they could do something. I you know I could see them unexpectedly finishing fifth. I, I think it could happen. It's not a bad. It's not a bad choice. They've got a, a pretty solid defence, which is very mm, important. Absolutely, well, yeah. Decent uh, goalkeeper. So yeah, you could be right. I've gone for Wolverhampton Wanderers mm. as a surprise package. Now owned by a Chinese conglomerate with you know money, no object. Well, it isn't everybody nowadays. Right? <laughs> well, true. Yeah, they could. I, I think we are technically, aren't we? <laughs> I believe we've got a sponsorship deal we're announcing next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of coaching staff, big squad, and uh, as I say, plenty of loot available to even buy themselves out of trouble in January if, if they need it. So wolves for me. But uh, oh, the now the big finish is finally in order. Which of the teams who will occupy? And I bet we've got very similar names here, mm. but we'll see. We might. Who, who are going to be the top four teams in the Premier League? So I'm going to go four to one here. Okay. So I'm going to start fourth, and I am going to predict this anyway. But this is partly um, a sort of a, a riposte to um, to people that always go. I say people, a person, a friend of ours called Joe, who always oh, gets yeah. in touch to protest that this team is left out of our predictions. So I'm going to put Tottenham at fourth. Okay. And that again, um, no no players in, no players out over the no. summer, which may not be a bad thing. That nobody has no. to integrate. And in the, the new think, stadium shortly. Yeah, although the new stadium has been as yeah, that, I mean, it, it will take them a while to settle. I think mm. the reason I didn't put them higher, I could have put them higher. The reason I didn't put them higher is I think that they might have tired players after the World Cup, mm. particularly Kane, and I think they might take a while to come back up from that. But they are top quality, so and I do like to see Tottenham do well, so because they have a number of English players. My third place team are Chelsea. Ooh, okay. Thank you for putting them in there. Yeah, I think I think the new manager, new manager. was good, and I think that that I think the con I think we might learn over time that the Conte situation was depressing people, so it might be that they get <laughs> yes. a bit of a Philip from yes. him not being there That's anymore. Very true. I've put Manchester City in second. Oh my giddy arms! I know, I know, I know. Everyone thinks they're nailed on to win, yes. but I've put them second for a reason. Maybe this is my romanticism, but mm. I think that our sort of not exactly surprise package, but I I wonder if Liverpool might win the league this year. Oh, right. 
Okay, good, good choice. Um, uh, over this first weekend when we record this, I know a lot of people listen. I'm trying future, not but... to. I'm try, I have. I did work on these earlier in the week, but mm. I'm trying not to show too much confirmation bias of what's happened over the mm. weekend. But look, win in oh, the yeah. first game, yeah. And and they and you know they 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 were they've signed some players and and I think they look good. That's, that's good. We, we don't coincide very much because mm. I, I've put Arsenal sixth and Chelsea fifth. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that the new manager will probably take a while to, to re-stabilise Arsenal and they had yeah. some real structural problems from last season. So so I can't see them doing that well, personally. Both are kind of unknown quantities, really, under new management, but we'll see as you say. Fourth, I have got the same issue. I've got Tottenham. Um, mm-hmm. as, we, as we said a minute ago, no big changes in the summer adapting to a new stadium. The, only, the problem I have with Tottenham is they tend to be brittle when it comes to yeah. the crunch at the end it's of the true. season. It's true, absolutely true. Now, I've got third. I've got Manchester United. Um, as as, you, as we said earlier, Mourinho usually has a terrible time after early success of a club and he's beginning to look, uh, as you say, as like a man out of time and out mm-hmm. of place. But I just think they still have enough talent to hang on in there. So third place... For Man United, either hmm. with or without Mourinho. Whereas um, I can see it all going horribly wrong <laughs> and then booting him and then finishing yeah. about seventh or eighth. Yes, I, I, again, I wouldn't. That's, that's why, why I say I it's so difficult them, this think, year. Really, yeah, yeah it wouldn't be a surprise. It really wouldn't be a surprise to see them have a, a Chelsea season of um, of um, last year, where the, you know the, the, the wheels oh. come off and everything just looks horrible. And um, as you say, Mourinho falling out with everybody, players, <laughs> directors director of football and so on. Second place in the in the Premier League. I agree with you uh, that uh, Liverpool should be stronger this year. Um not I think there's there's problems in the other at the other top six clubs as as well that are placed below them that means by almost default they'll go up there. But I yeah. um, I I know that I'm right out of step with many people of this. I, Jurgen Klopp, I don't like him. I think he's got a touch of the Warnock passive-aggressive mm. about him. But they do love him at Liverpool. I do. Um, and the players respond well to him. I think I so, yeah. So I don't, I don't see them getting anywhere near the top spot. But second place for Liverpool for me. But we'll see as the season goes. First place, inevitably, I'm mm. going to say it's hard to see any side getting near Manchester City. Um, they should, In my view, they should stroll it. I hope, In a way, I hope they don't because I'd love to see Liverpool do it in the sense of it being competitive. But... Um, they, I, I think they'll become the first side to de- de- defend the title in 10 years and um, tons of money. Uh, That's an pro- astonishing statistic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Manchester United were the last team to mm. hold on to the title, I think 2008-9. Um, yeah, progressive coach in Pep Guardiola and the best squad in the Premiership. So yeah, be, be in, interest, interesting to see. Also, uh, what, whether or not Liverpool do win, I think they will. But it'll be interesting to see how Shakiri gets on. Will mm. he be able to step up, having proved he can do it on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke, to use the ever-quoted phrase? Absolutely, but be he's in... a ch- Champions League winner before he came to Stoke, which is Absolutely. the most bizarre statistic I know, it was ever. odd, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll see how wrong we were in um, in about <laughs> sort of nine months' time. Absolutely, it seems to fly past as well. Mm-hmm, the time I it? can't believe it's a year ago when we were doing this. I have to say, it's just since our last moment of disgrace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now you walk into a Weatherspoons. It's very busy. The only available seat is next to a dishevelled, homeless-looking person. Honestly, now, do you take the seat and have your breakfast without a care? That's next. Well, I mean, we've never had breakfast together, Terence, so I can't really comment. <laughs> That's true. That's next after Al Green. I'd like to dedicate this song to little 
Junior Park. A cousin of mine has gone on, but we'd like to kind of carry on in his name. I sang. Many this song first came into their world when Talking Heads covered it in 1978 and it reached number 26 on the Billboard Hot 100. But there we heard the splendid original from the 1974 album Al Green Explores Your Mind. Al Green and Take Me to the River. Oh, I love Al Green so much. That is, It's such a Sunday treat having Al Green on in the morning. So, so very, very keen on that. Thank you. Now, Jules, in your The Guardian this week... Mm, my The Guardian, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Owen Jones wrote a column about an incident that happened at a pub in Cornwall that he believes is, I quote, the Dickensian face of austerity Britain. 
which is a very Owen Jones sort of I was going to say, his usual level of understatement, one would expect, yeah. You can almost picture and hear him yelling that out of a megaphone in Trafalgar Square. <laughs> but there's a serious point here. A kind-hearted woman in Truro, Cornwall, uh, spotted a couple of homeless men and offered them a cooked breakfast in the local Weatherspoons, only for the pub to turn them away and give them the donated breakfast in takeaway containers. Now, Owen Jones says that we have been led to believe that social problems quote are the results of moral and personal failings of the individual's bad decisions unquote now alluding to this being the reason the two men were victimized he said and not permitted to enter the premises to sit down and eat their breakfast um is owen jones uh, right jules is this uh, is this the dickensian face of austerity britain I mean, it's. I cannot believe that we're here, frankly. Um, well, I, say I cannot believe. I can believe that we're here. Um, you know, guess what, guys? Eight years of austerity does actually have some consequences. Um, recently, East Sussex County Council, my local county council, um, which has been conservative control for as long as I can remember, and for certainly, a, a, you know, decades, it would seem. Um, the council's all of a sudden keeling over with shock at the idea that there is no money in three or four years' times. Guess what, guys? You've been standing on a platform of cuts and uh, being members of, a, of the Conservative Party, which campaigns for and implements cuts. Guess what? It does mean you as well. It does mean all of us, frankly. So, so I have... So although I find Owen Jones to be increasingly shrill in what he mm. writes and unpleasant in his behaviour on Twitter, I am going to say that yes. um, the, the pylons thing is really unattractive, and um, he's he's written himself into a bit of a corner, I think, and which I have a bit of sympathy for, particularly as he has a lot of friends that are still very much welded to the Corbyn projects. But I just wish he didn't have to be so unkind to some people with it, really. Although he has been a he has written some good books in the past, and he has been a stalwart and very brave on LGBT rights. That's worth clarifying there but um i i I certainly think it was rather decent of weatherspoons to give them a breakfast to take away frankly i thought that was that when i first read that i thought it was going to be and they didn't give them anything to eat and they're so cruel and it's not that they didn't they did give them something to eat they just didn't want them to eat it there i mean i have to say i'm going to put a little bit of a skepticism on you know so the argument would be all they didn't want them in weatherspoons kind of you know sullying their business and being unattractive and and putting other customers off i used to drink quite or eat quite regularly at lunchtime in the opera house in tunbridge wells which is a converted opera house of weatherspoons and although there are some things about weatherspoons i don't like i do very much that like their project of sympathetically restoring old buildings which otherwise would probably be left to rot so i have a lot of time with them for that and um and so we were i used to go into the opera house fairly regularly and they used to be entirely populated at one point by workmen that were covered in dust that were you know absolutely loaded at about two o'clock in the afternoon mm. usually when you go in there and you always feel like saying well I, they often you know were, were covered in dust and not very hygienic and often quite loud and and not the sort of people i particularly wanted to sit near it has to be said mm. but because they weren't homeless they were quote unquote work people why are they allowed and homeless people not allowed really i can understand if it is if it is a question of hygiene or a question of i don't want these people in my business you know that, that are off-putting but why why are you allowing people to sit there covered in brick dust which is probably not terribly hygienic um you know getting drunk in the middle of the afternoon and often not behaving very well why is that allowed yet the fact that someone is homeless means automatically that they're not allowed in i find that strange 
I'm going to sort of try and defend the indefensible, but I think there is a nuance here that oh. I hope you'll, you know, perhaps bear with me and see if I've got a point. See, I see, okay. what, see what you think. Because as with so much in life, nothing is ever quite ever as simple that as it simple. seems. And yeah. I think that is one of my big problems with Owen Jones's writing, that he really does <laughs> yeah. use a pile driver to make things simple when often they're not. Yeah, very much so, like a power drill through your ear. Yes. Um, <laughs> in, in this case specifically, it seems that these two lads are alleged to have caused problems in the pub, the previous mm. day and Weatherspoons were trying to avoid further issues and right, I must say okay. in, the, in the local paper which I did research uh, many people are backing Weatherspoons saying that these two lads are well known in the area and oh, the general really? oh, right. is quite okay. unsettling but I think generally the incident highlights a situation that is generally swept away as the solution requires financial and resource commitment and I, I again would say I think this happened under Labour and I think it happens under Conservative and Conservative Liberal Alliance so I exonerate nobody here personally but when people become homeless for many not all of course but for many the homelessness is a symptom of far wider and greater Absolutely. issues yeah, including family breakdown mental health issues um, that's sadly very common mm. um, drink and drug misuse so it's not the homelessness that I think believe causes people to move away but if you're sitting at a pub table with perhaps a couple of children let's say your first instinct is one of protection and if someone wanders in to the and what comes up to the next table or even your table and perhaps shouting or clearly mm. under the influence of drink or drugs it's instinctive to move away or even ask for the troubled person to be moved away in case in inverted commas something happens it may not seem to be morally righteous but only, I think, only a saint would fail to feel concern if someone was behaving erratically mm. or aggressively next to you, your family, your friends, whatever. And um, I think, therefore, it's it's quite a natural reaction. And perhaps, as I say, in this particular case, Weatherspoons had previous knowledge mm. of perhaps these people or similar people. Um, but I do think until there's very serious investment, and I know we haven't got a money tree and all this, until there's very serious investment... <laughs> Unless in joining, you're the DUP, in which case, uh, really th boots. Then you just find, yeah, just find a, a billion, <laughs> you know, at the bottom of the sofa. But, um, yeah, jo joining up social services, mental health, probation, drink and drug agencies, the NHS, all interlinked to help with multiple problems... These situations like hi that highlighted by Owen Jones in the Truro uh, Weatherspoons, they'll just continue and probably increase. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I will actually slightly take issue with you on the point mm. about it, but about no political party really doing anything about it much. I would make the point that under the Labour government of 97 to 2010, uh, rough sleeping fell by 75% over that period in time. So they really did, 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 did uh, well, clearly whatever it was that they were doing. And, and, and I think the answer was, like you say, investment in public services. It was huge hugely reducing rough sleeping, whereas recent figures have shown that um, rough sleeping in England has increased for the seventh consecutive year. And of course, we are we are going through this allegedly no magic money tree time. Um, I think that, you know, it is a political choice, ultimately, and, and actually rough sleeping, I do agree that it is ultimately a, a, a sort of the end product of a series of political choices, which I actually alluded to um, earlier on as well with East Sussex County Council and, and, and you know, the, the if you continue to back austerity, this ultimately is where it gets you. So, um, so, so, yeah, I agree that, that that homelessness is, you know, it's it's a knock-on effect of a number of problems. I do think that it is possible to do something about it, as previous governments have shown.
I don't doubt that you're right on what you say you know, about perhaps Labour invested more money. I, I simply don't know about that. But myself, actually being part of and, and working with a homeless charity in London, um, people from the homeless charity, people who actually work directly with mm. the homeless, do say um, in, our, in our meetings and just socially that... And I know this isn't everybody, and I know it's like a get-out clause, but it's, it, I'm offered it as a fact that people these days often choose uh, to prefer to live on the street because they can make more money that way if they're in a homeless shelter overnight. They don't find... you know If you, if you sit with uh, a cup out asking for money in Oxford Circus at 11 o'clock at night, you're likely to get far more money. That mm. You'll get nothing if you're in a shelter uh, in Centrepoint. And wow. that's a point that's made to me quite often. I know it sounds a bit sort of uh, Daily Mailish, but I am told this by homeless Well, Wow, and, and I, you know, I, I, I haven't come across that, but then I haven't mm. come across that in the way that you have. I don't know, although maybe then, it, it, you know, are there any efforts, and it goes back to the point you made earlier, are there any efforts, if you are in a shelter, what efforts are being made by various authorities to try and get you back onto your feet really so and clearly and again i will gonna i am gonna cite that labor statistic again because mm, i think it's important sure. despite my occasional you know issues with the current mm. current labor sitch um you know i do think that's important because whatever it was they were doing seemed to have some sort of effect so whether that was providing more support that seems to be the way forward rather than just cutting everything and hoping for the best Fair enough. Now, assuming you're not dining in Weatherspoons every day this week. <laughs> well, it's what is that? You know, that's not out of the question, to be honest. The one in Bexhill is really good. Oh, right. Okay. It used to be um, an old cinema. It's excellent. Yeah, I, I didn't know until you said a, f- a little bit earlier that they actually take these old buildings well, and restore them. Well, they do. They do. They've got some terrific ones, actually. When you're not in Weatherspoons, then where might we find you? <laughs> when I'm not hanging out with dust-covered mm. workmen. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, doing Indie Wonderland on Barricade mm. Radio this week, Wednesday evening, 8 to 10pm, barricaderadio.com. Indie Alt Rock Miscellaneous. I've had a couple of weeks off for various summary type mm. things, but I will try and get back in the saddle then. On uh, Thursday evening, I'm at a music quiz. Very much looking forward to that. Um, my pals, Wow and Flutter, who run a record mm. shop, are running this music quiz um, at the uh, Printworks in Hastings on the evening of Thursday the 16th of august it should be a lot of fun and um, i have to be i'm looking forward to, to a visiting friend coming but i have to be um I, i've been separated from another person because last time we were on the same team we won by 25 points to the next <laughs> team and we've been banned from being on the same team ever again so that's happening mm. um i am um and then that's it pretty much and then I, okay. I think we're back together again next weekend reunited as peaches and herb once again <laughs> <laughs> thanks to you for listening yeah and... absolutely oh so so many of the thanks yeah actually a number of people have been in touch this week saying that uh, nice things about the podcast which was lovely yes um, i'm really pleased thank you chaps and thanks to executive producers rona and hilly we're, we're, we're collecting quite a squad aren't we i'm quite impressed about this yeah we're, bit, we're sort of like manchester city really we just this is absolutely yeah collect the elite that, yeah. from around the world yeah um I'm hoping you introduce our closing track by its initials rather than phonetically, uh, Jules. Yes, absolutely. Yes, indeed. I'm going to um, I'm going to, to introduce this. Um, it's P H U K. Um, yes, I won't be uh, won't be saying that, but it actually stands for Please Help UK, um, and uh, so that will help you there. Um, it's by a group. Um, I'd like to dedicate this to my friends, the uh, the Gauntlet Dakotas, who went to see this band in concert yesterday, and I believed had a very nice time indeed. Um, their child has apparently said, "Oh, this is." 
they show the, the child video and the child said, oh, it's like when we go to watch Paw Patrol, isn't it? Well, yes, sort of. <laughs> anyway, um, these are the Mighty Orbital. I heard this on Mark Radcliffe and Stuart McConey's show recently on Six Music. It was just Mark Radcliffe that day. And he played this near the beginning and I thought, oh, I really like this. Um, this is Orbital and this is PHUK. <laughs> have been listening to a DACA Media Production.